What's going on, guys? Hello, and welcome to episode 60 of the Forward Progress Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Party, and today we're going to be recapping all the Week 8 NFL games, previewing the Thursday night matchup between the Texans and the Eagles. But before we get on into that, we're going to um, recap the trade deadline, because that was crazy. I haven't seen anything like that in the NFL in forever, man. It felt like the NBA. Anyways, let's get right on into it. All right, so I'm going to be talking about the top nine trades that happened in the days coming and hours coming into the trade deadline, just the biggest ones that I felt, because some of them are a little small, like, yeah, whatever, you can find analysis on that elsewhere, I guess. Um, but we're going to start off with Roquan Smith being traded from the Bears to the Ravens for AJ Klein, a second round pick and a fifth round pick. Um, I'm going to give this a B for the Ravens. He's a great player, Roquan. Uh, two-time back-to-back second team all pro but linebackers are the easiest position for NFL offenses to make wrong now like even if you're a good linebacker you can be made wrong look at Fred Warner this year he's still good but like he's one of the best in the league and he's still out of position a bunch you know so it is a pretty decent amount of capital second and a fifth plus they're gonna have to pay that big contract that Smith is requesting like probably the number one linebacker contract in the league um, and then for the Bears, I'm going to give this an A minus. It definitely sucks that you couldn't work out a way to make him happy, but clearly he didn't want to be here. He wanted to be on a team that had a winning window right away, and the Bears just aren't that team. Um, and yeah, it's all that capital they're getting back, a second and a fifth round pick, and then also the fact that they aren't going to have to pay him. Uh, like It's probably going to get like $20 million a year as a linebacker, which is crazy, but yeah, like... That's pretty good return, and then extra draft capital is spelled elsewhere elsewhere on this roster that really needs some help. Then we have Bradley Chubb and a 20-25 fifth being traded from the Broncos to the Dolphins for Chase Edmonds, a first, and then a 20-24 fourth-round pick. Uh, I'm going to give this a C-plus for the Dolphins. I feel like this is kind of a short-sighted move that definitely could help them win this season, but I thought Ingram was having a pretty nice season. Melvin Ingram, the edge rusher, he was having a pretty nice season here with the Dolphins. Phillips was coming along these past couple of weeks, their first-round pick from last year. They already have Emmanuel Ogba there, and the first plus a big contract that they're going to have to give him, like probably 20 to $25 million a year, just feels like a lot for someone who's been really up and down throughout his career so far, whether that's been because of injuries or just his on-field performance hasn't always been there. And then for the Broncos, I'm going to give this an A. I'm glad they didn't try to double down on this year. Recognize that you need to make some changes for this roster and get some picks to help kind of retool for next year. It's not going to be a full-on rebuild. You can't do that with how there is some talent on this team, but you still are going to have a good edge duo with Gregory and Browning, and then you're getting Chase Edmonds on the as a cherry on top to help out this run game with Williams out, and you aren't going to have to pay... Um, what's his chub that major contract that he's going to get now with Miami then we have Jeff Wilson Jr. being traded for a fifth I kind of just lumped this in right after because obviously Dolphins still um I'll give it a C plus for the Dolphins this just kind of feels like a move to get another decent back and after trading away Edmonds kind of same caliber of player uh not terrible just like small little investment to help keep bodies in the room and then a B minus for the Niners um they didn't really need Wilson with the CMC acquisition, Mitchell hopefully coming back soon. And then you assume that their third round pick Davis price is going to develop a bit and 
have a role here. So at least they got something back for a former undrafted running back. Um, not going to give it much higher than a B minus because it's just a fifth, like not a huge deal, but still like, yeah, nice little return on investment for them. They may have Chase Claypool being traded to the Bears for a second round pick. Um, this is an A move for the Bears. I love this move. Go get your young quarterback a, some more weapons. Yeah, it's kind of a lot for him, but Claypool, while inconsistent, has shown some elite upside and should fit in nicely here. Like, Fields needs someone to huck the ball down to. Plus, you just stopped the Packers from getting him, your biggest rival, and yeah, like they were going to retool and get this. Obviously, Claypool's been up and down, but like he has that immense upside that why not take a swing on it? And then this is a B-plus for the Steelers. I kind of feel like it's a bit of a win-win. A second-round pick is a good return for Claypool when he's clearly fed up with this offense. Um, sucks you have to move on from him, but this organization has proven time after time that they're just amazing at drafting wide receivers. And, yeah, I'm not too worried about them finding his replacement. Then we have TJ Hawkinson, a fourth-round pick, and then a 2024, either fourth or fifth-round pick, it's conditional. Uh, being sent from the Lions to the Vikings for a second and a 2024 third weird interdivisional trade for a pretty high quality player. Uh, I'll give this a B plus for the Vikings. Tight end is a really top heavy position and Hawkinson is just one of those players who can make a consistent impact at that position. So lining him up with Jefferson and Thielen, like I, I think this should lead to a lot of success for this offense, especially because Irv Smith just went down. So they needed someone to get in there. Um, and then for the Lions, I'm going to give this a C. I get that their season's been disappointing so far, but they still are a rebuilding team. Like, you need these young players that you can build around. Why send them to a division rival? I thought that this would be one of the pieces that they'd want to keep around for whoever the next quarterback is. It's kind of like a good safety blanket for, like a good tight end can be a great safety blanket for a young quarterback. And yeah, don't know why you would just get rid of him like that. But second round pick, I guess that's decent return, but the eighth overall pick i don't know then we have calvin ridley for a conditional fifth or sixth and then a conditional 2024 either fourth third or second round pick there's a bunch of conditions built into this for the jags just in case like this doesn't work out because of all the off-field stuff um i'm gonna give this a c plus for the falcons there's clearly some drama between these two parties last year and then the suspension last year or this year um so it's good that they were able to get him off the books and get some capital back but it does suck knowing that we aren't going to see him play with London and Pitts. Like, that could have just been a nasty matchup. And then also all the conditions built in, like, you might just be getting nothing back from him, you know? And then I'm going to actually give this an A-plus for the Jacks. I love this move. This is a low-risk, high-reward because of all the conditions. Um, there's a chance that you only give up a sixth and a fourth-round pick if this does blow up and, like, nothing really comes up from it. Like, that's the minimum that you're giving up. And then if he's, like, decent out there, you're giving up a fifth and a third, which, I mean, that's not a lot. The Raiders gave that up for Antonio Brown. He didn't play a game for him. And if he comes back as the same Calvin Ridley that we've seen in the past, be a true number one outside threat, which I've been saying the Jags really need to get for Trevor Lawrence, you're, you'd give up a second and a fifth round pick every day of the week for that. They need to get trevor lawrence real outside winners and there's a very real chance that they got one here for pretty cheap then we have heinz from moss for a conditional fifth or sixth round pick i'm gonna give this a c for the bills i mean it's not a terrible trade buying low on a very talented player but yeah heinz hasn't really been anything special this year and i thought cook had his best game last week so it's kind of just weird timing um like is he gonna eat into cook's cat uh 
carries and touches? Is he going to eat into single carries? Both. Like, how how's this dynamic going to work out? Um, and then C again for the Colts. Just same weird feeling. Like, why? I guess like a fifth round pick is cool. Um, Jackson has been looking good. You're getting Zach Moss, who has shown some flashes. But Hines could have been a nice underneath threat for Ellinger or whoever you bring in next as quarterback. I, I don't know. I just don't really love the move for either side. Then we have Jackson, William Jackson the third, and a 2025th conditional seventh round pick for a 2025 conditional sixth round pick. Um, pretty much just nothing. And I think this is a B plus move for the Steelers. This is a very nice uh, buy low move for a player who has shown some good play in more man heavy systems in the past, like the Steelers run. There's a chance that he turns into a really quality starter here back in the AFC North. Or, of course, the more likely option, I think, is he's just no longer a good player. He had like that one good year as a rookie and kind of has been trailing off since then. Um, they cut him before most of his money is due next year, and it costs them next to nothing to take a flyer on this guy. And then I'm giving this a D for the commanders. I mean, I guess it's better than cutting him. You get a tiny bit better like draft position, um, but I'm not going to applaud for the commanders for overpaying for a player, misusing him, and then dumping him after only a year and a half. Just, yeah. And then the last trade I want to talk about is Rashad Fenton for conditional seventh round pick. So again, next to nothing. And this is an A move for the Falcons. Um, Fenton has shown some decent play for a former sixth round pick. And with all the injuries to the secondary, he's going to be a good band-aid option until they get Hayward and um, Terrell back. And he's young. He has the chance to replace Hayward down the line. Like this is only his fourth season. Um, his rookie contract will expire after this. So we'll see if he does stick around here in Atlanta. But yeah, like half a season of starter level corner play, which they aren't getting right now. That's definitely worth a conditional seventh round pick in my opinion. Um, and then this is a D move for the Chiefs. They've already dealt with a lot of injuries at cornerback, albeit one was to Fenton himself. That's why he hasn't been playing as much, but they did bench him even when he was healthy in favor for the rookies. But this move still just makes zero sense for me. Like, why get rid of a young, cheap player on the final year of his deal? Like, he was a former six-round draft pick. There was almost no money tied to him and definitely no money in the future tied to him. So, I don't know. I feel like there must have been something going on behind the scenes here because... Why not just keep him around for death if one of your corners gets injured again? All right, now we're going to get into our game recaps where I'm so hyped about this week. I needed a good week and I finally got one going 13 and 2 straight up, 12 and 3 um, against the spread. So, starting off with the game in London, we got the Jags facing the Broncos. Got that one right in both aspects. Broncos winning 21 to 17. The Broncos defense is just so dominant. Sertan is locked down, but they had a ton of guys step up today. Jewel played amazingly at linebacker, making some really big splash plays. Williams, the cornerback, had his best game as a Bronco. Draymond Jones had um, like was allowing nothing in the ground game. Benito, he had a strip sack. That's another like he, they just had a second round pick on him, a third edge rusher. Now with Chubb gone, like that's what makes this move even better for the Broncos, in my opinion. Just some crazy performances that really helped propel them to this win. And then this Broncos offense finally did enough to win. It was another ugly day by them with Russ missing throws, not seeing his guys wide open. But there were some nice plays and some stuff to build upon. Dolchich looks like a future star at tight end. And they're getting hammered the ball more, which I love. He's a great deep threat and he can use that speed both over top and underneath in the short game and stuff too. Uh, Russ, he did step up at the end, throwing that perfect ball to Hamler. We just need to see that more consistently. Like that's in there for him. He just... For whatever reason, that hasn't come out this season. And then for the Jags, this is a young team that needs to learn how to win. 
You see the flashes there, like Etienne had a great game, but there were far too many mistakes. Lawrence needs to be more careful with the ball, his accuracy, placement, decision-making, that stuff, you know. There's two picks and a fumble in this game. The fumble was recovered by his teammate, but still, that's the lucky bounce of the ball. He's making these mistakes way too often, and it's costing his team games that they definitely could win, like this one. Then we have the Patriots at the Jets. Patriots winning 22-17, once again, both of those right. Uh, Zach Wilson, man, he's just so frustrating. He's oozing with raw talent. He has amazing escapability and can make some really nice throws with his feet set. But under pressure, he's just terrible. And behind this line right now with all the injuries, that's a big problem. It felt like he was scrambling around back there every other drop back. And yeah, he created some nice plays to that, like a nice pass to Wilson early on. But most of the time, it was either throwaways or picks on attempted throwaways. Like, it was just ugly. He's got to learn what to do in these situations and stop panicking and making these dumb mistakes. Credit to the Patriots, though, who put Wilson in this tough situation. Their pass rush was killing it with Judon, Uche, uh, Dietrich Wise all having incredible games. And then the coverage on the back end was just locking guys up in scramble drill situations. Like, Wilson couldn't find his guys open on this, those scramble drills because... Secondary was glued all over them. And they really needed this performance because their offense stunk. Reed and Sauce had an incredible day once again, locking up these Patriots receivers. They had some nice gainers over the middle, but for the most part, they spoiled Mac Jones' full game return, holding him to under 200 yards, a touchdown, and a pick, with an ugly pick six negated by a questionable roughing the passer. Jones was also under constant pressure, but he did look a lot better, not making the mistakes that Wilson was in those situations. And Stevenson, he had a great game once again on the ground, leading to just enough field goals to beat the Jets. Then we have the Eagles at the Steelers. Uh, Eagles winning 35-13 to once again. The Eagles cover and win. Uh, the Eagles just have so many ways to win, man. They This time they did it through the air with A.J. Brown just dominating Witherspoon and Jalen Hurts making some of the prettiest throws you'll ever see. It just felt like they could do nothing wrong, and all the Steelers could do was watch them work. Like, yeah, Hurts just, I've definitely had his question, my questions about him this season, even though he's looked good. Um, this was the type of game that shut me up. And then defensively, they were amazing once again. Slay and Bradbury locking up their mans all days. Hargrave and Reddick leading this, this defensive line to six sacks. Edwards playing phenomenally again at his linebacker position. Just a masterclass against the Steelers' offense that just had no chance. And yeah, like, Pickett just had no chance to do anything this game. Constantly under pressure, and when he wasn't, you could tell that the pressure was still, like, in his head affecting him. These receivers didn't really do much. Najee Harris is trying to show everyone why you don't draft a running back in the first round anymore. Like, yeah, he didn't have much room to operate, but if you're on Twitter, you saw that catch in space where he could have easily ran for the first, and he just kind of, like, froze there, didn't know what to do. Um, undrafted rookie free agent. Jalen Warren had over double the yards per attempt than Harris. It feels like it feels like Harris is just like in his own head, overthinking, not trusting the holes provided, and he can't get anything going forwards for this team. Um, and I think they seriously need to start thinking about giving Warren more touches if this is how Harris is going to be playing. Then we have the Bears at the Cowboys. Cowboys winning forty nine to twenty nine once again. Pick the Cowboys to cover and win. Um, yeah, Dak looks healthy. He's back. Besides that, like, end of the half interception, which was a great play by Jackson, too. He was on it all game. Incredible. But what I think really won it for the Cowboys was Pollard and this offensive line. 
Pollard had 131 yards, three touchdowns off 14 carries, 116 of those yards coming after contact. He should be that uh, Dallas's lead back going forwards. I don't know if he will because the, this team loves Zeke for whatever reason. Like everything he's done so far has shown that he's a top 10 back and he goes absolutely off when he gets his finally gets his chance to be the lead guy for one game. For the Bears, like at least their offense showed up again. I like weird to say in a 20 point blowout, but they show some promise. They kind of have a similar situation though, um, as the Cowboys do with the running backs here. But like every time I get ready to say that Herbert is better, Montgomery pops off the next week. So look out for that. Uh, but Fields, he's looking good again, going against a really good Dallas defense. It just sucks that he was under so much pressure and didn't have the best receivers in this game. Like, I wonder, obviously, the defense still gave a, a bunch of points, but how much of an impact would Claypool have made in this game? I really think the Bears have something here with Fields. I just hope that they don't mess it up. And then it's just weird that the Bears offense was the better unit for them this game. Gibson was the only one who really could get any pressure against this Dallas O-line, and everyone else just got destroyed against the run. Um, Vildor, he looked rough again like he did early on in the season after looking great these past couple weeks. Gordon, he looked like a rookie, and I thought Johnson had a nice day, but with the trading away of Smith, like we'll have to see how big of an impact that has on this defense, which already is looking shaky. Then we have the Dolphins at the Lions. Dolphins winning 31-27, to covering and winning, just like I predicted. Um... The Lions came out on fire. Goff played great all game, but especially in the first half. Um, mostly in the first half, actually. And William Swift and this Lions offensive line was dominant, but big credit to the Dolphins. They made second half adjustments and showed up down, like shut down in the ground game in the second half, especially. Gave Goff nowhere to go with the ball and gave their offense the opportunity to come back. And come back, they did. Tua was amazing this game like one of his best games ever um and these receivers like you freaking Tyree kill every time every time Tua was wrong Tyree kill still made him right and there wasn't many times Tua was wrong was he perfect no he short-armed a couple throws but that's just gonna be what happened when you're trying to throw the ball halfway across the world to Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle um, he still had a 93.9% adjusted completion percentage and never put the ball in harm's way. He came just about as close as he can to a perfect game, executing this offense, which really thrived leaning on Hill and Waddle. Like, if they play like this every week, no one is going to be able to stop them. However, it was still impressive how the Lions were keeping pace and being in a spot to steal a win. I think we can firmly put this loss, though, on the Lions coaches. They just came out flat in the second half, um, being shut out by the Dolphins' adjustment. And there was an ugly sequence in the third quarter. Um, Warrior was offsides twice in a row. Uh, the second one was just egregious. He was standing full, like, yard offsides. Like, come on, man. And then when they get the ball back, three straight penalties to start off the drive. So it makes it first and 30, like... What the hell are you supposed to do there? That That's just inexcusable. And something I wouldn't expect from a Dan Campbell coach team. Like, I love Campbell like everyone else. And I want to see him next year, hopefully with a sick rookie quarterback. But you can't have your players making these dumb mistakes and be a one-win team and expect to be the coach still in year three. Especially when you look at Brian Dable and see what he's able to do in year one. Like, I don't know. And then we have the Cardinals at the Vikings. Uh, Vikings winning 34-26 covering and winning uh the vikings have to be the least talked about six and one team ever 
because nothing about them is really super exciting outside of Justin Jefferson, which is to be expected, I guess, with like Kirk Cousins at quarterback, like that's just not an exciting team, but they keep finding a way to win. Um, Their ground game was incredible today. Cook finally surpassing that 100-yard mark, having 173 yards and three touchdowns as a team. And it looked like a, or it was a very balanced passing game by Cousins distributing the ball to whatever the defense was giving him. And it worked. They came out 34 points. That's a great offensive day for the Cardinals. They 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 were close, but still not quite there. They just had too many turnovers, especially in the second half today, to keep pace with the Vikings. I felt like they really are missing Brown as the second outside threat, um, opposite of Hopkins. And Kyler had a rough day, throwing a couple of picks and had a bit of that hero ball play that like doesn't turn out amazingly sometimes. Um, and this is definitely a rough weekend to have that sort of game with Call of Duty releasing. Like That's all the memes now. Um, defensively, though, I thought they had a defense day, decent day, showing some promise despite the 34 points allowed, mostly because you're seeing some production out of their first-round picks at linebacker. Collins definitely had a bad first half. Like He got destroyed by Munt on a block, like just walked backwards about 10 yards and picked a tiny bit apart in coverage like one or two times but his second half he really stepped it up started playing more physical better in coverage um and then simmons he starts he's, he looked really comfortable out there today playing that um hybrid slot role um both playing like a outside backer and slot bandit whatever you want to call it um these they really need these two guys to start to improve with all the investment that they put in them and they can be very special players, but as I said with Roquan, like it's so easy to make the linebackers wrong in today's NFL, and that's just kind of what you're seeing. No matter how special and talented these guys are, it can be just rough for them sometimes, but hopefully this is something that they can build upon going forwards and not have such a rough time out there. Then we have the Raiders at the Saints. Saints winning 24 to nothing. Of course, this is the first game that I get wrong in both aspects. I picked my Raiders to win. But man, what a dominant game by the Saints defense. I want to give them the credit first before I become a sad Raiders fan. The Raiders came in red hot offensively and were shut out. The Saints finally looked like the dominant factor that we thought it would be this preseason. Um, This pass rush went crazy with Jordan, Davenport, Turner all living in this backfield. Adams was shut out by a rookie. Like I think he had like one catch for two yards or whatever. Um, Shut out by rookie Elante Taylor. And they were confusing Carr all day, um, leading some terrible mistakes by him. Like this was either this or the Chargers game earlier was the worst game by far. I'd probably say this game was his worst game. Definitely. Uh, they didn't even pass the 50-yard line with Carr. Like this was just tough to watch. And then on offense, they started off hot and then just kind of like controlled the clock and let their team win with complimentary football. Kamar scored his first three touchdowns of the season all today making Perryman and Diablo look like high schoolers in coverage. Dalton didn't even really need to do much. He just got the ball into his hands with his playmakers and not make mistakes, which is exactly what the Saints want. And then for the Raiders, this almost puts them away with how bad this loss was. Um, two and five, like, I think you can probably say their season's over. They've been competitive in every game up until now, but they just didn't show up to this one. Carr averaged 3.9 yards per attempt. Bailey had 100 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. Jacobs, he only had 43 yards off 10 carries. The offensive line was just as bad as we thought it would be coming into this year. And then on defense, they only got pressure on Dalton twice. Either he would just get the ball out immediately to some wide open target, or the Raiders' pass rush would just be neutralized by the Saints' offensive line. 
I thought that they were turning their season around, and that was ugly. And sitting at two and five with the trade deadline now passed. I mean, I think I think it was ridiculous that they did not make a move at the trade deadline. Like, there's a lot of veteran talent on this team where you should not be two and five. And because of that, I think you either need to ship off some of the veteran talent and be like, okay, we aren't as good as we thought. Let's retool for next year. Or, hey, we aren't as good as we thought, but let's try to make a move, like send, I don't know, get someone in here at least. I don't know who they could have even gone after someone on defense, maybe like a William Jackson. Um, Yeah, but just make some sort of move to try to improve this team. Or I, I think they should have been sellers, but... That didn't happen, and we're going to have to continue on with these uh, frustrating Raiders. All right, then we have the Falcons at the Panthers. Falcons winning 37-34. Um, I picked the Falcons to cover and win, so they didn't quite cover because of that ridiculous DJ Moore catch off PJ Walker's, like, one of the most beautiful deep balls you'll ever see. Um, but, yeah, this was just an all-around exciting game, something... I would not have thought even two weeks ago. Um, this probably was my favorite game to watch this week. Uh, let's start off with the Falcons, though, whose running attack was just great once again with 165 yards, no touchdowns, albeit. Um, they started feeling, feeding Algier more, but I think it's clear that Huntley is the better back, at least at this point. He ran incredibly today, showing some great cuts and speed to get around the edge. But what I really liked is how they stayed aggressive through the air, even after Mariota's first deep shot was picked. Beautiful play by Jackson. Um, outside his picks, he played great. Like, obviously, you can't just ignore the picks, but he was using his legs to buy time while keeping his eyes downfield and letting his receivers do some great work after the catch. On defense, though, they definitely struggled. Um, this is why they went out and traded for Fenton. Armstrong was up and down, to say the least, and Hall and Oliver weren't too much better. Um, they definitely missed Trell and Hayward back there, especially on that deep bomb to more at the end of the game. And this pass rush is still a problem, only getting six pressures against a, this Panthers offensive line, which has not been that good this year. But Carter did make one of the plays of the year, Lorenzo Carter, the edge rusher. Um, it was a screenplay. He read it out. He stopped running, makes a leaping pick six right at the end of the half. Like, damn, if, if you didn't see it, go just look it up on YouTube. Um, this team is clearly still rebuilding, but they're fun and sitting atop the NFC South right now. So good for them. <laughs> and then, then for the Panthers, I think this was a great result. Um, it was a fun, competitive game where you still lost. lost. So like, yay, draft position, you now have like a top three pick. This was exactly kind of what you wanted. Walker continues to impress, looking like he should get a shot at the quarterback spot next year. Um, if you have a top three pick, I don't think he'll get it because you should definitely get CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, whoever's sitting there. More, he's a goon, as we all know, and they're getting Marshall more involved too, which is exciting because he has a hella upside former second round pick out of LSU. And Foreman was good too, showing us again that he has that ability to just always fall forwards while also showing some impressive elusiveness for a bigger back. But nothing, honestly, about his play individually truly wowed me. But as a unit... Like, this offense was just working it on the ground. Those 100 yards, three touchdowns, I feel like that belongs a lot more to this offensive line who were just road graders up there. Like like I said, they only allowed six pressures, and they got four men an average of one and a half yards before contact per run and 2.2 yards before contact as a whole team. 
their dominance was the reason the Panthers were in this game. And hopefully this is a performance to build upon for this young offensive line. Then we have the Titans at the Texans, the Titans winning 17 to 10. Um, yeah, pick the Titans to cover and win. Like I, I think we can say Derrick Henry's fully back. I, I've been hesitant until now, but I don't know. Maybe also we just owns the Texans four straight games of 200 yards, two touchdowns. That's unreal. Like to have a game like that in your career is great. Four straight games against the same team. That's ridiculous. Uh, Hilliard was incredible too. Their backup running back, 83 yards on eight carries. This Texans run defense is a huge problem. They can't stop a fly and they definitely can't stop Derrick Henry. It was so bad that Willis only could attempted one pass in the second half, a pass that felt incomplete. And I never felt like the Texans had a shot on this one. Much of that is due to this offense. Their line was getting destroyed, and they couldn't create any space for Pierce to get going. Like, I, I mean, they literally did nothing for Pierce. He might have been just running into a brick wall every time. He had 35 yards, 40 of which which came after contract well, contact. And Mills was bad today. Admittedly, he made a couple wild throws, like the crosser to Howard with Jeffrey Simmons right in his face was beautiful, and that bomb at the end of the game, garbage time to Cooks, but besides those, he was missing throws left and right, throwing into coverage, and constantly drifting into pressure. Like, I'm sure it would help him a bunch if he had better receiver play and a run game to rely on, but this was just ugly by him. He's not a type of quarterback who can elevate a bad offense. But I don't want to take away from the Titans' impressive day. Simmons, Autry, and Tark. That, are they the best interior trio in the league? Like, interior defensive linemen? They were incredible up front, causing a ton of pressure and destroying the short game. McCreary and Fulton had their best games of the year at corner, and I think the Titans have a really underrated linebacker duo here in Long and Cole. I'm still not confident in them going forwards as a good team, this offense, like, they, they don't have a good passing offense at all. I'm disappointed they didn't make a move for, like, a DJ Moore or Chase Claypool, something like that. But it is nice to see this defense just dunk on a team that they should destroy. All right, then we have the Giants at the Seahawks. The Seahawks winning 27-13. Um, I picked the Seahawks to cover and win. Dude, what the hell, Geno Smith? How has he been a backup all these years? He's playing incredible. I know his numbers weren't that impressive, but he did have two drops that should have resulted in another 50 yards and another touchdown. He's easily a top 10 quarterback, and this defense is really stepping up these past few weeks. Honestly, where they're sitting right now, it would be a disappointment for them to miss the playoffs, which is shocking seeing their over-under was 5.5, which I knew was too low going in. I was like, dude, the Seahawks are going to win more than five games, but... I didn't think it was that bad of an over-under. Like, I thought it was like, yeah, they're going to win like seven or eight. You know, they they feel like a double-digit win team right now. Um, on the Giants' side, this this was bound to happen. Um, they had another good game. Their defense playing great, honestly, most of the day, keeping this offense in there. But eventually, they just got out-talented, and they don't have the weapons to get it done offensively. Seattle did a great job bottling up Barkley, giving up only 53 yards on 20 carries. And because of this, the Giants weren't able to build up their passing game. And with the Seahawks being all over Daniel Jones whenever he tried to bootleg, um, Jones, he played badly too. I don't entirely blame him because the receivers weren't open, and that's just going to be what happens sometimes. Um, I I'm, I don't think this team's going to be serious contenders for the Super Bowl this year or even a deep playoff run. Um because I thought they really needed to go out there and make a move for a wide receiver to give Daniel Jones 
a true target to throw to, but they just sat on their hands. Like, I guess it's okay. This is a, I guess this is a bit more of a long-term move because it is kind of true. Like this team wasn't supposed to be good. And the fact that they are doing good, that's incredible. Um, and next year they can really go in. Like, I'm excited to see them next year, but it is kind of like, man, I kind of wanted them to push the bucket a bit this year, you know? Um, however, it wasn't all bad for the Giants. But Dory Jackson played incredible and is looking like a true number one cornerback. Williams had his best game of the season with six pressures and a sack. And then rookies Fox and McFadden each had great days at their linebacker position. This can really be an elite defense for the next couple years to come because all these guys are really young and it's really the coaching that's getting the best out of them. Then we have the Niners at the Rams. The Niners winning 31-14, to um, covering and winning. Uh, and the Niners offense really came came alive back again today. Um, CMC was incredible, and the reason why the Niners got him, scoring, uh, rushing, receiving, and passing touchdown this game. All the Niners weapons were working today with Kittle and Ayuk having some big games, um, big plays, even without Debo. But it helped that the Rams kept messing up in coverage. Ramsey had almost a sick pick, but barely enough able to haul it in. Kendrick, he had a couple of coverage busts. And Jones and Wagners, they've definitely had better days. Uh, this pass rush was pretty decent, which tends to happen with Aaron Donald there. But it just wasn't enough to slow down Jimmy G in this Niners offense. On the other side, though, the Niners' defense was incredible. Bosa, phenomenal day once again, rushing the passer. This whole defensive line allowed nothing yet on the ground game. And Warner was back to being forced too. Of course, Cup had his a bit, but they did slow him down after initially him coming out pretty hot. And I like how the Rams are getting Robinson involved a bit more. They just weren't able to do enough behind this offensive line. Just like having nowhere to run and no time to get big passes downfield. Then we have the Commanders at the Colts. Commanders winning 17-16, to covering and winning like I picked. Um, I want to start off by saying I was really impressed with Ellinger this game. I was ready for him to come in and look like a backup, make a bunch of mistakes and stuff, but he looked good. Um, they didn't put too much on his plate, of course, so only having him drop back 28 times, but he did well while doing so, using his legs to avoid pressure, still looking downfield and delivering some pretty accurate nice balls while on the move. It's too early to say that he's going to be the future here, but this does feel like a lot less of a tanking move, which I initially thought it was after this game. The Colts, though, need to do more to help him out. He was under pressure way too often, and this run game sucked. Um, the, Jonathan Taylor had no space to run, and when he did, he wasn't breaking tackles at his normal clip. He finally got one decent run and fumbles the ball. This game can't win, um, or this team can't win with Sam Ellinger at the helm if they aren't helping out around him. Like, if he gets some help, he can be a pretty decent quarterback, but not like this. This was a great come from behind victory for the Commanders, though, who moved to 4-4 four to four after, or 4-4 four and four after I thought that they were dead in the water. Heineke has his problems, but he's exciting to watch and made just enough plays to will them to a victory. Um, I wish I, I really wish I could see McLaurin though with a good quarterback. Cause man, he's special. And then this defense did great, shutting down Taylor. Um, but their front four is still still disappointing as a pass rush unit. With Allen and Sweat being the only ones getting consistent pressure. I really want to see Young back on this line because they should be good, but until then, I can't help but feel a bit disappointed by their lack of production. All right, then we have the Sunday night matchup between the Packers and the Bills. Bills winning seven or 27-17. to 17. Um, 
yeah, pick the Packers to cover, but the Bills to still win. Let's go. Uh, I just, just like that, the Packers drop another one, though. However, I feel like I started to see some stuff I liked from them, oddly enough, in a 10-point loss, um, especially in the second half. In the first half, that was rough. They were terrible. Rodgers was constantly under pressure, and receivers could not get open. The fact, the fact that they did not trade for a receiver is just the most mind-boggling thing I've ever seen. Like, how do you look at this team that needs to be competitive with an older quarterback right now? You can't plan for the future as much. You need to win the Super Bowl this year or next year. And how do you look at Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samaje Toure, um, Alan Lazard when he's back? Is Randall Cobb even going to come back this season? Sammy Watkins, Amari Rogers. How do you look at that and be like, yeah, that's good. Rogers will figure it out, especially after eight weeks of Rogers not figuring it out. Rogers is not as good as he's been these past two seasons, yes. But, like, obviously a lot of that has to do with him not having... Like, he lost his top two weapons this past offseason in Adams, but also, like, in VS, they, he lost his reliable deep threat. Like, I know calling MBS a reliable deep threat is kind of weird, but he really was turning a corner a bit here in Green Bay, catching better, and now they just don't have anyone to be that guy. Um, but anyways, let's, let's get back to this game. Um, that, that's just my little rant on the Packers. Like, how, how the hell does that happen? Um, their rushing attack, though, was good especially in the second half they really lean into this ground and pound um effectively running it up the middle and they had some of their rookie receivers step up nice to see with Dobbs and Toure um obviously not enough uh Packers aren't a good offense 17 points was not going to win them a lot of games going against the likes of the Bills Chiefs um even like the Seahawks like <laughs> Eagles how did I forget them um but they showed up and showed a bit of some, like, potential to build upon going into next week. We'll see if they actually do, but I don't know. Pack Packers are just, like, a team right now, which is weird. A, a team led by Aaron Rodgers. Like, what the hell? What is the season, man? On defense, though, they definitely were bad. Uh, they were getting gashed all night, but oddly, I thought they kind of stepped it up and run defense after Campbell and Walker both had to leave the game for their own reasons. Um, and then in coverage, I just don't know why the Packers don't run more man coverage. Like, Jair is one of the best corners in the league. And why not stick him on Diggs? Um, Diggs was great this game. Had 108 yards and a touchdown. But you know, let me double check this. I don't think um, Diggs had a single catch on Jair. Yeah. Jair today. Or Sunday night was targeted five times four times versus davis one time versus shakir and gave up nothing in coverage like why not put him on him like why not put your best guy on their best guy instead you're putting up rasul douglas who gave up three catches for 85 yards and a touchdown versus stefan diggs um devondre campbell what, freaking linebacker was covering stefan diggs more than jair um, 16, two catches for 16 yards. Darnold Savage, okay, only at one target. Um, where else? Stokes gave up a seven-yard catch, first down. Yeah, like, I... I don't understand this defense, man. You, you got one of the best players in the whole league. 
freaking use him. Um, but I don't want to take anything away from the Bills. They they were dominant. Like, yeah, the in the second half, they definitely put, took their foot off the pedal. But I'm not too worried about those Josh Allen fit, uh, picks. I could be wrong, but honestly, they felt like, to me, just him wanting to have some fun, being loose with a big lead, like seeing what he can and can't get away from against a talented, albeit disappointing defense. Um, and he can get away with a lot of that stuff, but just made a couple of mistakes. Um, nothing today he did made me feel like he shouldn't be the MVP. He's a stud. And they started to get Cook more involved too. Um, this was the Cook that I thought we'd see when they drafted him. And I don't know why it took them so long to get going. And now I don't even know if he's going to be a piece going forward with the Naheem Himes trade. Um, yeah. Uh, the only real problem I had with the Bills was their pass protection and then their run defense. Um, both of which have been areas of strength for them so far this season. But... We're not this game, to say the least. We'll have to see if this was like a one-week problem going against the Packers, who do have relatively strong, like the, that. those are their strong suits. Um, or maybe the Packers exposed an area of weakness that other teams will be able to take advantage of. Uh, then we have the Bengals at the Browns. This was one of the two games that I got fully wrong. Um, I picked the Bengals to cover and win, but the Browns won 32-13. to Maybe. Maybe the Bengals do need Jamar Chase uh, to be a functioning offense because this was ugly. The They went back to the Bengals offense that lacked the explosiveness and consistency. Like at first I thought like, okay, they're going to be fine. Uh, Burrow had a beautiful back shoulder throw to Chris Evans, but then Green had that pick off the tip from Miles Garrett, who was phenomenal. Um, and that just like sucked the life out of them, not getting into the red zone until the fourth quarter. They couldn't run the ball to save their lives. And, this Browns defense is not like they're known for their good run defense. If anything, they're known for the opposite. And Boyd and Higgins did next to nothing outside of a couple big play touchdowns. However, yeah, credit to the Browns defense. They really stepped it up. Um, Garrett looks pissed off that he's not more in the conversation for the defensive player of the year. Um, with rookie Martin Emerson, the cornerback, he he's a serious starter for this team. Like, I didn't think he would be, but it should be him, Newsom, and Ward when he's healthy. Um, incredible day in coverage. Taki Taki was all over the place, looking great at linebacker. Um, and they all just kind of like played like a cohesive unit. The pass rush helping up the coverage, the run D allowing nothing so the Bengals couldn't help out, um, set up the pass. Just one of the best games by the Browns defense all year, something that they really needed. And then on offense, they went back to what makes them dominant. 44 rushes, 172 yards, and three touchdowns. So when they did have reset pass, not too much was put on his plate. And Brissett was good for the most part. He had that ugly interception um, while Bell was like, had him wrapped up and he was just trying to like dump it off to, um, I think it was Kareem Hunt there. But other than that, he was fine. I mean, it was pretty easy for him though with Amari Cooper just being phenomenal. Um, just constantly getting separation against these Bengals corners without Apple in there, who honestly probably wanted to face much better. This was a much needed dub for them to stay competitive in the AFC North when Deshaun Watson comes back in a few weeks. All right, so that's going to do it for the recap. Um, as I said, it went 13-2 and two straight up, 12-3 and three against the spread. That brings my overall record to 7-52-1 or overall, and then against the spread, 56-65-2. All right, now moving on to our Thursday night preview. The Eagles are 14-point favorites going on to face the Texans. Um, yeah, the Texans do not have an advantage in any aspect of this game. This is This, this could be ugly. 
Cooks is pissed that he wasn't traded at the deadline. So we'll see if he decides to ball out or bail out on this team. But even still, like, even if he's doubles down and is like, hey, I'm going to ball the F out so that I get traded this offseason or something. I don't know. Um, Slay and Bradbury are incredible. Like, he might not even have the ability to. This offensive line is going to get eaten alive by the defensive line of the Eagles, leading, um, leaving Mills no time to get the ball out and nowhere for Pierce to run. On defense, I don't see how they're going to be able to stop the Eagles at all. The secondary doesn't have the dogs to deal with Brown and Smith, and even if they do manage to slow them down, they've given up 314 yards and two touchdowns, and then 163 yards and three touchdowns the week before on the ground. The Eagles have shown the ability to win either with a dominant passing attack or just a suffocating run game. Like, there's, there's no way the Texans win this game, right? But there is... There is something about it just being like a Thursday night game that gives me a bit of pause. Um, like on paper, the Eagles, they should win 34-3 or something ridiculous like that. But on a short week where they know they're going to be such heavy favorites, how does this how does this, how do, how does this team come out and play? Do they still play hard? Or is this going to be a bit of a trap game where they're kind of like lulled to sleep? Um, I still think the Eagles win either way, but it could be something closer to like a 27-20 where you're like, okay, like the Texans are showing fight and it really means nothing down the line. Just more of the Eagles not showing up as much as they should. But, yeah, like I'm, I'm going to pick the Texans to cover, but the Eagles still win because there's just no way the Eagles don't win, right? <laughs> All right, but that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, let, let me know in the comments what do you think about uh, the trades were made this season, especially if there's one for your team. Um, let me know how you did on your picks this week and give me your picks for the Eagles and Texans game on Thursday. If you're on YouTube, leave a like and subscribe, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you might be giving this podcast. Um, give it a five-star review. Go tell your friends. And yeah, I'll see you all next time.